Nutrition wisdom and motivation from a top nutrition coach, the tips we all need ahead on the podcast. I'm Natalie Tisdall, a journalist who decided enough is enough. I left a career that looked glamorous to do what I was scared of doing, going out on my own. I'm a married working mom of three. On this podcast, we're going to talk about issues that really matter. Why am I not sleeping? What's up with that diet everyone's talking about? Are my kids falling behind? How do I leave that job and start over? Welcome to the Natalie Tisdall Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Happy New Year, everyone. If you're listening to this as it comes out, it is January 2024. It's Natalie, and I hope that it was a beautiful holiday season for you and your family, and your year is off to a great start. I'm not one who really sets New Year's resolutions. We did set some personal goals in our family, and we had a great dinner discussing all of these goals with the kids and with my husband and myself as a family and personally. I also love vision boards and dreaming of the future. And with that, I have created a vision board worksheet. I'm happy to share that with you. It's a free download. You can go to the show notes for a link, or you can go to natalietisdall.com slash resources to get a copy. Joining me on the show today is Nicole Hagen. She has a master's degree in nutrition science and public health, and she is the host of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. Today, we're unraveling the secrets to maintaining a lifestyle that not only fuels your body, but also feeds your soul. We're going to explore practical strategies for creating lasting change in health and wellness. From the pitfalls of unsustainable diets, and we know they're all out there, to the joy of savoring every single bite, Nicole and I discuss the importance of finding a nutrition approach that resonates with you, because that's what's important. What works for your friends might not work for you. We're also going to talk about technology and how it can help your journey. We'll give you a couple of tips there. And yes, we're going to break down the drawbacks of all those rigid rules when it comes to diets and nutrition. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss one episode with some of the top experts and motivators in health, faith, and family. And check out the show notes, of course, for all kinds of information. Without further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation with Nicole Hagen. Well, Nicole, we are now well into the new year. Some people have probably already fallen off of their plans uh, to be healthy or to maintain a certain diet. But I, I really just want to be honest today and get into things that work and things that don't work and give people inspiration for getting healthy. I love that. I spent many years pursuing things that I now realize were largely ineffective and detrimental to my health. So we could very easily say that they did not work, at least not long term. And I'm I'm grateful for that experience because it ultimately helped me to yeah. arrive at what does work. So this is a conversation I am very passionate about. Well, let's talk about what, first of all, what doesn't work. Yeah. So obviously nutrition and health fitness, it's extremely nuanced and maybe that's not obvious to everyone. So perhaps I shouldn't have led with that, but nutrition, what works for one person, what works for another person is individual. Mm -hmm. I am going to speak to largely what the research shows is ineffective. And that is anything that is 
unsustainable. So something that I might be drawn to because it's very strict and it comes with rigid rules for me to follow. And if I don't follow them, then I have to start all over again. Our brains sort of like that all or nothing. Give me the plan. Tell me what to yeah. do. However, the problem with those types of diets and plans and programs is that they don't have any longevity because while many of us can be super aggressive and strict and adhere to a plan for a short period of time, then we're invited out to dinner or our yeah. kid gets sick, or we just have a really stressful day at work and we're unable to follow through with the plan perfectly. I'm using air quotes. Mm -hmm. And so then we feel like we've fallen off the wagon. We've failed. We've just basically confirmed that we don't have what it takes. And inevitably we start searching for the next right thing, which is yeah. just more of the same, right? More strict, more aggressive rules to follow that don't really allow for fluidity and the flexibility that comes with normal human life. We need to be able to have hard days, hard weeks, bumps in the road, and still keep going, still show up for ourselves, whether that's with regards to what we're eating or how we're moving. So I would say the number one thing that does not work, and this is why research shows us that 80 to 95% of people when they start a nutrition resolution end up not being successful with it. Or if they had a goal to lose weight, they end up losing it, but then regaining that weight mm -hmm. potentially even more. It's because the, the plan or the program that they subscribed to had no sustainability. So it wasn't yeah. something that they could see themselves sticking with long-term. Have yeah. you found that maybe personally? I have. And you know, it's, it's funny because of course there have been fads over the years. We all know that. And one that works for someone, like some people don't have trouble cutting out carbs. For others, it's like, that's really, really hard. And it's, it's really like, what works? What can you live with and still feel like you're enjoying life? Exactly. And I think that's where it comes down to asking ourselves, well, what can I see myself sticking with long-term? Like yeah. you mentioned, if you love carbohydrates and your body really thrives on carbohydrates, some of us are more carb tolerant than others. Mm -hmm a low carb or a no carb diet is likely not going to be very successful Terrible. for you, nor yeah. is it going to feel great. Your body right. is not going to function optimally. Whereas the next person, maybe they're more sedentary. They're not as physically active, perhaps genetically, they just respond better to a lower carb mm -hmm. diet. It may work for them. But again, yeah. thinking through what am I able to continue doing long-term? That's probably not going to be cutting out an entire food group completely. Yeah. So those very, very extreme ends of the spectrum almost never work. Mm -hmm. However, finding what does work is different person yeah. to person based on our preferences, based on our lifestyles, based on our genetics, what our day-to-day -day looks like. You know, am I in an office where I have to sit for eight to 10 hours a day, or am I on my feet for the entire day? All of those things need to be factored in when we're talking about nutrition and physical yeah. activity. Well, that's a pretty big one of what doesn't work. So keep that in mind, everyone. But what else have you found in your profession, expertise, working with many, many people just doesn't work? What doesn't work is when it's not enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So if you are subscribing to a diet that is encouraging you to eat foods you genuinely do not enjoy <laughs> or you don't like, again, this comes back to the sustainability yeah. factor, but if you're not looking forward to the meals and the snacks that you get to eat, forget it. That is not going to work, right? <laughs> you have to be enticed by your, your meals. If you are trying to force yourself to exercise or do some type of movement that you genuinely have to, 
just scrape yourself off the floor to get yourself to do because it is not something that you enjoy. That's not going to work. And the beautiful part is there's so much variability in what can work. So even if one thing, let's say running is not for me and I really despise running, but I feel like I have to force myself to run. Once I accept, okay, I don't have to run in order to reach my goals. We start to see all of these other options that are possible, all of these other forms of movement and cardio and maybe even things that don't even feel like exercise, like dancing becomes an option that then I look forward to doing. And do you know what? This probably doesn't come as a surprise, but when I look forward to doing something or I enjoy something, I'm more likely to keep doing it, which then creates what works. Okay. So let's, let's move into that. And especially newer findings or newer diets or newer supplements or what, what have you found does work? Mm -hmm. So if we look at what the literature says, if we're talking about what works, we have to define first and foremost, what the goal is, what does works actually mean? Mm -hmm. So the majority of clients that I work with, and I have the pleasure of connecting with on a regular basis are looking to create healthy relationships with food. So many of them have spent years, sometimes even decades, subscribing to diet culture, where they have previously followed those very rigid, aggressive rules, which have only left them feeling fearful, guilty, and maybe even obsessed by food Mm -hmm. or things that have to do with food. Like how many calories am I consuming? Are the carbs too high in this thing? They don't want to think about that anymore. They want to reserve that brain space for things that truly matter in their lives, like their family, their occupations, things of that nature. So they want to create a healthy relationship with food and they still want to feel, look, and perform their best. So how they move matters to them. How they feel in their clothes and out of clothes matters Mm -hmm. to them. And if we take that as kind of our broad definition in terms of, well, what works? What is the overarching goal here? First and foremost is something that doesn't dictate we have to eat a certain quantity or we have to eat a certain number of times every day. Because like we talked about before, there's no sustainability in that because one person may have time to, or may prefer to eat once or twice a day, whereas another person may prefer to, or have time to eat four or five times a day. So we have to have flexibility. There has to be opportunity for us to cater our plan or our program to what works best for our life. So we need some flexibility with any nutrition strategy. And this is where most conventional diets fail. It's sort of a do this. If you don't, you're doomed. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Start mm -hmm, over again. mm -hmm. And that just doesn't work. If we're talking about nutrition specifics, making sure that you're getting enough protein is largely beneficial to pretty much Mm -hmm. everyone. And that can look different. Generally, the guideline is 0.7 grams of protein per pound of body weight as an ideal quantity of protein. If we're looking at just the daily value of what we maybe need to survive, not the same as what we need to thrive. So we want to make sure that at most meals and snacks, we're incorporating some source of protein. And again, that could be an animal source of protein. It could be a plant-based source of protein, whatever your system responds best to. And speaking of plants, getting enough fiber is something that again, benefits almost Mm. everyone. There are a few exceptional cases, you know, people who have IBS and belly type things like gastroparesis, but outside of that, the average individual can largely benefit from eating more fiber. 
which does come from plants, fruits and vegetables, legumes, beans, things of that nature, but also can come from smart carbs or what the world refers to as complex carbohydrates. So things like potatoes and oats and rice and quinoa and couscous and whole mm -hmm. grain bread products. So a lot of us, if we think about what is consumed most often in the American diet is carbohydrate and fat, not protein and fiber yeah. dominant food sources. So we just yeah. kind of want to boost those two things. They leave us feeling better energetically and they help our digestive system to function optimally. So we're less likely to deal with some of that uncom uncomfortable, unpleasant stuff like bloating and gas mm -hmm. and just not feeling 100% our best in our bodies. And they also help to keep us satiated. And I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry, I'm not my best self. I'm constantly no. thinking about other things. When can I get food? I maybe get a little moody. And so if we're making sure that we're nourishing our bodies with a sufficient amount of protein, a sufficient amount of fiber, and of course, a sufficient amount of food overall. So making sure that I'm listening and honoring my hunger and fullness cues. I am eating when I'm hungry, not just chewing a piece of gum to distract myself from feeling hungry. I am stopping when I'm satisfied as opposed to continuing to eat until the plate is clear or the plate is finished. Those three things are going to work for pretty much everyone. Yeah, such good sound advice. There are so many things with technology. Let's, let's go this way for a minute that can be helpful. And I know can also create an obsessive nature. Um, but I, there are things that have certainly helped me in understanding. For instance, you said, um, how much protein you should have. Well, if you've got an app and you put in, or you take a picture of everything you eat, then you're better understanding, oh, I'm almost at that level. So tell me about technology and what you advise people in how that can help you with your goals. Yes. So my personal experience with tracking apps like something similar to my fitness pal or mm -hmm. lose it or two very, very common apps is both positive and negative. And I find that depending on the person, individuality comes back into play. The same is true for many people at their core tracking apps. Like my fitness pal are entirely neutral. They are tools that can serve us. And they are tools that when abused or used incorrectly can be detrimental to our progress, to our health, be that mental or physical. So like you were alluding to, Natalie, it can be a positive thing when we use it as a tool to provide us with objective information. So I may, and I find that this is true for a lot of people, not have any idea how much protein I'm currently consuming and whether that's an optimal amount, whether mm -hmm. it's a, an ideal amount or whether it falls below that or surpasses that, which is very rare. So if I use an app to log my food for a period of time, do what I call an audit. So maybe for three to five days, I'm just going to record my food objectively. I'm not shaming my choices. I'm not blaming myself for having that cookie after dinner. None of that. I just want to put everything in there as accurately as I can and then step back and say, okay, what does this information tell me? Does the app reveal to me that I'm not eating enough protein? Could that be why I'm constantly hungry all the time? Or could that be why I'm maybe struggling with recurring injuries, even though I'm training and being physically active? We can also use the app for many other things. Like, am I consuming enough fiber? Do I notice that on the days when I skip breakfast, 
I tend to eat a lot of snacks after dinner and I kind of feel insatiable. I can use that feedback to then apply it moving forward and create change, create new habits in my dietary patterns, in my relationship with food so that they serve me better. Yeah. I could also, and I think this is where when we bring morality into play and I start to judge my choices and I start to think the way that diet culture teaches us to think in terms of, well, these foods are good and those foods are bad and I'm bad for eating this or I'm good for eating that. Mm -hmm. It can become a slippery slope. Yeah. And this is where my history has taken me. So I started logging neutrally and then it quickly turned into, oh no, I ate more than what this app told me I should eat today. I'm bad. Mm -hmm. I did a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I should exercise more to air quote, make up for it. Or tomorrow I need to do better. I need to punish myself by eating fewer calories. That becomes very, very detrimental mentally and physically. Sometimes tracking in these types of apps can feel somewhat obsessive. We start to seek our validation from this external locus of control. And an app is fallible, right? It's based mm -hmm. off of an equation that doesn't perfectly understand our bodies. There's so much nuance to nutrition. Why did I choose that thing? Did it mean something to me emotionally, even though it didn't have a ton of benefit nutritionally? Well, that's something to consider. And we find that if we don't take that objective look at the information we're collecting, it tends to do more detriment than benefit. And we start yeah. to judge ourselves and our yeah. decisions with the information that the app is yielding. So if that's the case, we start to then transition into disordered eating territory. We become reliant on the app. We feel like we can't eat out or eat anything unless we track it or we see exactly how many calories are in it. And that's when it becomes icky. And I would recommend anyone who's in that position work on weaning off of the app. Easier said than done, of course. But yeah. like I mentioned, there are pros and cons, and it's all about how we use it. The apps themselves, neutral, but how we use it can either yeah. be helpful or harmful. Are you looking for ways to stay energized, healthy, and help your family stay healthy? I've started taking supplements from Seeking Health, and it has changed the game for me. I no longer worry that my family is getting enough of the vitamins we need, and I know the quality of what we're taking is top-notch. I take an immunity support supplement, magnesium, and several others, including electrolytes to stay hydrated. So many people ask me about these supplements that I've made it really easy for you to find right on my website, natalietisdall.com slash favorites. Also bonus, I have a coupon code to help you save 10% on your order. You will find that coupon code on the website as well. Go to natalietisdall.com slash favorites, click on seeking health. I may earn a small commission if you purchase there, but that's just to help my small business grow the website and the podcast to keep this news and good interviews coming your way. Again, natalietisdall.com slash favorites and click on seeking health. And I would say for most people, you, you have to understand before you know what's helping you. And so if the tracking can begin that understanding of, oh, I didn't really realize that much protein was in there. I didn't realize like I'm working on this with my teenage son, how much protein versus junk food do you really need? And if I can't get him to even use the app, <laughs> because if you're tracking it to begin with, you're, you're filling yourself with knowledge of what's good, what's bad. And sometimes that's just hard. You don't realize how much of certain things you eat. 
because maybe you're eating mindlessly or maybe you're eating in the car mindlessly or while working or on t- while watching TV, which I know is a whole nother issue <laughs> for a lot of people. But it's accountability. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it gives us information that otherwise, like you said, we might be so busy or so otherwise focused on something else that we completely miss what's going yeah. on. Yeah. So of the technology, you mentioned MyFitnessPal, lose it. Um, If people want to try this because they think I want the knowledge and then maybe I'll wean myself off of it. Are there other things that you advise people that can help them um, when they're trying to get on track? I think figuring out what feels the most life-giving to you. So if you have Mm -hmm. a history of maybe tracking and taking things a little bit too far, or if you know that you tend to get somewhat obsessive or compulsive when it comes to numbers, I actually wouldn't recommend an app. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you can't collect the same feedback in a similar way. So for example, I had a coaching call earlier today, Natalie, and I was asking this client to simply just write things down on a sticky note whenever she was eating outside of a mealtime. She raised uh, what she thought was a concern to me where she was having lots of bites and licks and tastes off of her Mm -hmm. children's plates throughout the day. And it wasn't part of her meal, but she felt as though they were adding up in a quantity that wasn't feeling great for her. So I said, well, why don't we just raise some awareness by writing it down on a little sticky note? You could choose to take a picture of it instead. You could put it on an Excel spreadsheet, whatever makes sense for your brain. Mm -hmm. But she was going to use a little notepad or sticky note in her kitchen just to bring awareness every single time she ate something off of a child's plate or grabbed something while she was baking or cooking and just write it down. That can be equally as helpful. So I find some clients prefer pen and paper. They don't want all of the information that comes with the app. If you don't have a negative history, with tracking, or you feel like it could be very beneficial to have the tracking on your phone, MyFitnessPal is probably the most widely known app. They have a free version. So for anyone out there who's looking to experiment with this, I would certainly advise not paying for an Mm -hmm. app and just using the free version to see what you get out of it instead. Lose It and Chronometer are probably Mm -hmm. the top three that I have researched and have clients who utilize and enjoy the apps. And again, I think what we can get from this is, well, what am I eating? First of all, and is that serving me? The choices I'm making, are they mostly whole food choices that leave me feeling good? Are they mostly, you know, processed package things that don't leave me feeling my greatest? Or am I finding that maybe there's some small adjustments that I could make easily without sacrificing some of my favorite foods? Second to that is what about quantities? Am I eating enough of the things my body needs? So we mentioned protein. What about carbohydrates? Lots of us love carbs, but if our diet is 90% carbohydrate, we may not be feeling the greatest. So protein, fiber, carbohydrate, fat, am I getting enough of what I need? And if not, how can I make some small adjustments to see? So that's where I would start. Anybody who's just wanting to track. And I was trying to remember the name of the app. We used my family for a long time. It's very similar to my fitness pal. And what I what I liked about it in the beginning is you and I think my fitness pal does this too, is you take a picture of the barcode on what you're eating. And so then it it tracks all those nutrients. And sometimes we just don't realize, especially with barcodes, like, oh, that actually did have some protein in it, or that had a lot of fat in it, or had and we don't I mean, we look at labels, but do we really know um all of that? So it can be helpful in the beginning in again, just understanding how these things work. Absolutely. Actually, I think 
this is, don't quote me on this, but I'm almost positive that the barcode scanning feature is now a paid feature. Oh, so is in it? my fitness pal, I think you have to pay to access that. But I do have many clients who have trialed my fitness pal, chosen to stick with it, and they love that feature. They use that. It is pretty, it is pretty handy for sure. You can also, I know a lot of clients are like, well, that would never work for me because I use my own recipes, but you can also input a recipe that you yeah. use either yeah. off of the internet from a URL, or if it's a, you know, a family recipe, you can do that too. Yeah. Uh, so give me some other tips for the new year. Give uh, some inspiration to people who want to try something new. You know, I, I've been a health reporter for so many years that I've seen success in different programs. And some of us do just need a program. It's like, mm. I can try to be good, but if I have something to follow, then it feels like I'll be more successful. So I've all, I've often found over the years in, again, talking with doctors and many, many professionals and authors, the Mediterranean diet is a very healthy way of living. Um, give us some other ways if people just need something to follow for some inspiration. Sure. Actually, speaking of the Mediterranean diet, I just did a, well, I say just now as we're recording, I was answering the most commonly asked weight loss questions. And of course, one of those questions was, what is the best diet for weight loss? Mm -hmm. And if we look at the research as a whole, the Mediterranean diet certainly tops that list. Not because there's anything magical about the Mediterranean yeah. diet, but because it's primarily whole foods, you're prioritizing yep. protein, you're getting your fruits and veggies, and you're getting your healthy fats, and yeah. there's minimal processed foods. Yeah. So that is a great goal to strive for, for most of us. The advice that I would give someone if they were starting out, and we're talking about it's January, my motivation's high, I want to create some change, but I also want that to be effective. I want to create change that actually lasts and sticks around, not the change that we create for 15 to 30 days until we fall off the wagon and then start mm -hmm. all over again. My suggestion would be start smaller than you want to. And that can look like taking one or two baby steps towards your goals rather than starting with 17 new things you're committing yes. to. Mm -hmm. So nutritionally, I wouldn't recommend trying to eat more protein and trying to eat more vegetables and trying to go to the gym and trying to drink more water and trying to cut out you know, the ice cream you have every night after dinner. <laughs> Pick one, maybe two. Research shows that multitasking is largely ineffective when we're trying to create behavior change. So starting with one thing, growing that habit, growing that skill to the point where we feel somewhat proficient with it. And then adding a second focus is way more effective than trying to do two or three or four things simultaneously, because of yeah. course our attention is divided. That doesn't feel sexy. I get it. We want to like revamp everything at the beginning, but if we're talking about what doesn't work, that would be mm -hmm. one of the things on the list. So start smaller than you want to and recruit accountability. Mm -hmm. Now, as a coach, I'm totally biased. I think having a coach in your corner is one of the best things that you can do. I have a coach in my corner, even though I am a coach, simply because we are really terrible at holding ourselves accountable. Because if we have an excuse or a lack of motivation, we're more likely to believe that if we're the ones telling ourselves, ah, you could do it tomorrow, right? Don't worry about it today. But if I have accountability outside of myself, whether that's a workout buddy or it's something like a tracking tool that I'm using, I have to log my workout for the day or I'm going to log what I ate today, or it's something like a mentor, a coach, uh, someone who is walking alongside of you on this journey, helping you to turn your failures or your, your mistakes, your missteps into feedback that you can apply moving forward. You are going to be more successful at creating the change you want and you're going to be held back 
for less time yeah. when you do hit bumps along the road. So start smaller than you want to recruit external accountability. And remember, this is kind of a mindset one. You don't have to show up perfectly. Yeah. Nobody shows up perfectly. Even people with the healthiest relationships with food in the hottest bodies, the people that you aspire to look like or show up like or eat like, they too are imperfect. Yeah. They have sick days. They have deadlines that take over their lives and they don't get to the gym or they have to order takeout when they really wanted to make that meal at home. And again, if we look at what conventional diet culture tells us, that's bad. That's failure. You now have just destroyed all progress and you have to start all over again. And what we see is that's not the case. We can either choose a fixed mindset, which says, oh no, I didn't do the thing that I wanted to do, or I didn't do the thing I said I was going to do. Now I'm going to start all over again and basically spend our entire lives on what I call the diet culture roller coaster ride, stopping yeah. and starting, stopping and starting. Or we can have a growth mindset that says, oof, that wasn't the way I wanted that to go. That didn't feel good. I didn't honor that commitment. I didn't honor that promise to myself. Here's what I'm going to do differently moving forward. And I'm just going to pick right back up with what I want for my future self with my next choice. Yeah. That is one of the biggest hacks, if you will, that I would share with anyone who wants to create long-term success is you've got to change your mindset to accept you can mess up and not do the thing that you said you were going to do as long as you don't let it completely derail everything for days, weeks, months at a time. And you just pick yourself right back up, wipe the slate clean and keep going. So important. We call that the reset button in my family. Like it's fine. Just push the reset button. It's okay. You mentioned like that accountability and that can be done in so many different ways. Having a partner, having a coach, my, um, my daughter uh, is on a college lacrosse team and they're on holiday break right now, but they're going to go back into season. So they have to hold each other accountable. So they have, I think it's a, a group me, but a message where you have to send a picture to the group every day of your workout, where you are, what you're doing. It's that accountability. That could be your neighbor, your friend or whatever, but just some accountability somewhere. So powerful. I have clients who send me their sweaty selfies, speaking of your daughter, after yeah. they do the workout. Yeah. They don't need to do that, but it's an extra surge of validation for them to yes. be like, look what I did. I did yeah. what I said I was going to do. And yeah. they're also knowing that I'm there expecting that message, even yeah. when their thoughts are like, I don't want to more cozy to stay on the couch. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But if you're expecting that, yeah. Or someone who goes with you, a gym partner, whatever that might be. I have a neighbor and we, we often cook for each other. We both like to be healthy and it's like, I'm making this. Do you want some? And I'm like, yes. And I'll do the same. So to have that, and we like to both eat healthy. So anywhere where you can find a friend, a buddy and accountability, it does certainly help. I can't stress that enough. I think so many of us feel somewhat shy or maybe like insecure telling others that we're mm -hmm. working towards creating change, especially when it comes to like what we eat or our bodies, if we want to create body composition change. And I get that there's a vulnerability in opening yourself up to someone else. I think it's recognizing the cost benefit analysis. Like, yes, I'm opening myself to up to a little bit of vulnerability, but I also am getting so much cheerleading and so much yeah. support when I do this. And that is going to propel me closer towards my goals. And like you mentioned, Natalie, there's so many different ways that we can do that. I know now there's so many different online Facebook groups and mm -hmm. online just kind of support groups where you could go and say, Hey, here's what I'm making for food prep this weekend. Or here's a recipe I tried that I loved and just sort of share 
what you're doing to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Well, where can people find you for inspiration? I'm following you on Instagram, but tell people where they can find you if they want more. Yes, I would love that. I hang out on Instagram primarily at Nutrition with Nicole. And I also have a podcast called the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. Wealth is spelled W-E-L-L-T-H, little play on words there. And we're constantly talking about things like you and I are discussing today, Natalie, in terms of nutrition specifics that are evidence-based, what works, what doesn't work, how can we maybe work on some of those limiting beliefs that we have mm -hmm. when it comes to mindset and break through them, all the fun stuff, all the time. Come hang out with me there. And yes, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot me a DM and say hi. Well, it's so nice to talk to you today. Thanks for the inspiration and all the best in 2024. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you for joining the Natalie Tisdall Podcast. You can follow along on Instagram and at natalietisdall.com. Subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave a review so I can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.